March is here and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with my bookie. Select the winners from 63 tournament games in the My Bookie Bracket Contest for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes, and it's only a dollar to enter. It doesn't matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props. My Bookie has you covered. Sign up today at mybookie.ag and use promo code ZABE to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. And make sure you use my promo code so they know I hooked you up. That's promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, to claim your first deposit bonus. College ball, NBA, NHL, no matter the sport, no matter the minute, MyBookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting. And with choices from thousands of lines and odds, you can turn any game day into payday. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Today on the ZabeCast, a 22-pitch at-bat in spring training. Now that is grinding. I'll ask the question, what's the nuclear essence of each sport? Brad Evans of Fade the Noise fame, Sirius XM fantasy radio host, basketball junkie, and Illinois alum goes deep into his brackets with me, plus my philosophical take on the dismal reality all around us. Your 45-minute dose of pure me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Tuesday, March 16, 2021. Thank you for downloading. Does anyone know who's running the office pool? Oh, you mean in my office? Well, Zabe, if you want to get in. No, no, I mean in my office. Of course, I don't have an office anymore. Many of us don't have an office anymore. We're all Zoom scattered to the wind. So I'm sure with email, you could hustle up a pool, but I don't know if there is one at either 97.3 The Game or at 106.7 The Fan or anywhere else. There's no Zabecast pool. I don't know why not. There should be. Once upon a time, I used to run these contests for listeners, but then it just became too much overhead and administrative work, and I'm like, ah, wouldn't mind getting in one, though. I'll talk pools with Brad Evans coming up later today in this podcast. First, though, Mets infielder walks on 22-pitch at bat. I don't know what the record is for most pitches. I'm sure I could look it up, but this is a big monster at bat. Mets infielder Luis Guillaume went 22 pitches deep on Cardinals flamethrower Jordan Hicks, finally drawing a walk at the end of it. I watched the supercut of the 22-pitch walk, and it was epic. By the way, Hicks uh, pops the gun at 100-plus and has a sinking fastball that is nastier than a uh, a nun with no sleep. But that said, 22-pitch at bat, I joked on Twitter, wait until Rob Manfred, a guy who's never met a dumb idea he doesn't endorse, says, hmm, strokes chin, we need a 12-pitch limit, and then we'll determine either out or walk based on a blink coin flip. I'm kidding, of course, but am I? Who knows? To me, at-bats like this are the nuclear essence 
of baseball. I was thinking about what is the essence of each sport, like really the nuclear core of this is what this game is all about. In baseball, it's about grinding. It's about getting that extra base hit one per week as Crash Davis lectured to Nuke Lelouch in Bull Durham and what that means, difference between your average, just one extra flare a week, a seeing eye single, a duck snort, something like that, how it can raise your average, take you from a guy who's washed out of the majors to possibly the Hall of Fame. And grinding in baseball because baseball's best appeal which is also kind of its Achilles heel in today's day and age, is that there is no clock. So it's never over. Even when it looks most grim and that you are about to die, you're not dead until you're finally dead. Every other sport has a clock. So if you're down seven goals with 10 seconds to go in hockey, you're dead. If you're down six touchdowns with a minute to go in football, you're dead. If you're down in basketball, 35 points with 12 seconds, you're dead. Baseball, you're never dead. And the most famous example of staying alive and grinding was the 2004 ALCS Yankees, Red Sox, four, three Yanks, bottom nine, nobody out. And here comes Dave Roberts in to pinch run for the Sox. Hold the ball, quicken your stride once in a while just to offset the timing and tempo of the base runner. Miller still waiting for his first pitch. Roberts is going. Posada's throw. Roberts, safe. And from there, we know what happened to the Yankees. Seemingly never insurmountable. In fact, not seemingly. Never before erased. 3-0 lead in the best of seven. In fact, I when I looked up this highlight on YouTube, somebody has put together, I kid you not, Dave Roberts Steele two-hour loop. <laughs> I guess this is if you ever decide to tie up your Yankee friend hostage and sit him in a chair in front of a TV. You put this on the laptop and you go, enjoy, I'm going out for lunch. Two-hour loop. By the way, it was beautiful that after that perfect steal by Roberts, who wasn't told to steal, according to the recaps that I was reading about it, he just said, I knew I was going to try to steal. Why not? He had been like 33 of 34 at that point in the season. Of course, stolen bases now are not a thing anymore, but man, that was that was an epic moment in baseball. It's never over grind is the essence of baseball what's the nuclear essence of football savage physicality at every turn yes there is elaborate designs of offense and defense and there is a lot of other stuff but the nuclear essence of football is we are going to be more physical than you in every facet of the game we're going to hit harder run faster block tougher and fight through adversity Savage physicality. Basketball, what's the nuclear essence? I would say it's three-dimensional creativity and improvised cooperation. Yes, there are plays, set plays in basketball, but not a whole lot. It's a lot of improvisational jazz. 
but in a three-dimensional space, jumping, using both hands, shooting different ways, hook shots, layups, scoops, runners, bank shots, three-pointers. It's a beautiful game. And of course, played when, when all five players on the court are working in tandem. It's a beautiful thing. Of course, baseball or basketball has now <laughs> devolved into, okay, you guys go stand over there. I'm going to take six dribbles through my legs and then pull up for a 25-footer. Heads up for the rebound in case I missed. And guess what? If I do miss, yeah, we'll take more threes. They're free. Hockey, what is the nuclear essence of hockey? Not quite so sure about this. Speed, toughness, and I know this will anger some hockey people, but luck is maybe a bigger part of hockey than you think you have to make your own luck by getting a majority of pucks on net and to keep grinding to get your break. But so much, I mean, it's it's a puck rattling around. Ten agile, super fast skaters with sticks, bodies, and everything else is bing, 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 bing. Hits off a stick, hits off a skate, goes in. Whoops, there's the game. What is the nuclear essence of golf? I would say it's conquering your mental demons. Because every tour pro can hit all the shots needed to win a golf tournament. But they got to do it under pressure. They got to do it while conquering their inner voices going, you're going to fuck up. You're going to choke. Don't mess up. Don't get nervous. There's water over there. Hey, look at all these people watching me. Oh no, what if I don't win this tournament? Am I good enough? Am I worthy? Is what I'm, Jesus, get a psychiatrist, will you? Quick sidebar on the golf front. A lot of positive feedback on my chat with former roommate Scott Lawrence yesterday. Scott texted me to say, you were kind of harsh on caddies. I didn't mean to be harsh. Yes, they're overrated, but then again, some are underrated. Scott told me that, he knows John Rahm's caddy through youth baseball connections in Charlotte. He lives in Charlotte. And that without Rahm's caddy working with the young volatile Spaniard, he wouldn't be where he is today. And he's a phenomenal world-class player who is going to win a major. It's just a matter of time. He's not really my cup of tea, but I don't, I don't hate him. I'm not anti-John Rahm. His swing is kind of weird, but his power is unreal. But what's interesting is that, so, okay, I, I give credit there. His caddy has helped make, you know, try to help keep him from blowing up all the time because very, very hot-tempered. That said, it's the second person that has emailed me about I know John Rom's caddy from Charlotte. Another person said that they had done some work at John Rom's new house down there and that he was so nice, he goes, do you need any Ryder Cup tickets? And the guy was like, yeah. Wait, is this a trick question? They said, this person said, do you want me to press my luck and see if I can get one for you? And I'm like, yes. If I mean, if it wouldn't be too much to ask. Hell, I might even root for the Europeans. Oh, here we go. What, I'm not allowed to root for them? They'll live in Orlando, people. Calm the fuck down. Rory McIlroy is as American as apple pie. Now, of course, I'll root for the U.S. Got to root for the U.S. That said, we, uh, we return to our regularly scheduled podcast. So give me what you think is the nuclear 
essence of each sport based on this 22 at bat turned into a walk effort in spring training. Well, this was a large waste of time. Headline, NBA probe finds no proof of bigoted remark by Utah Jazz executive Dennis Lindsay towards Elijah Millsap. The NBA and Utah Jazz's joint investigation into allegations by former player Elijah Millsap found no evidence to support a claim that team executive Dennis Lindsay made a racially insensitive comment in an April 2015 meeting, five-plus years ago, and they went on this wild goose chase. The inquiry centered on Millsap's allegation in a social media post that Lindsay, now Utah's executive VP of basketball ops, told him, quote, I'll cut your black ass and send you back to Louisiana during an end-of-season meeting six years ago. The Jazz hired an independent investigator to work with the NBA on the investigation, and the team said in an accompanying statement that the franchise, quote, has zero tolerance for... They described Lindsay as a respected basketball executive around the NBA and a leading voice on social justice, but guess what else they said? Yeah, we had other people in that meeting, and they were uh, taking notes. Get a load of this. When Lindsay was doing the exit interview with Millsap, He was accompanied by GM Justin Zanuck and coach Quinn Snyder. Lindsey, Zanuck, and Snyder all denied the statement was made. Zanuck's role in the meeting was to take notes on the conversation, which were entered into the review. The notes were entered into a team database, and the forensic investigators could have been able to determine whether the notes had been altered or updated in any way since they were put into the database. Now that is covering your ass. Good job, Utah Jazz. And fuck Elijah Millsap. Millsap's agent, Daniel Hazan, also told investigators that he had not been made aware of the accusation by his client during the two seasons that he played with the Jazz. So in other words, Elijah Millsap, scumbag, tried to vaporize a good man's career on a absolute scurrilous lie and got busted. I don't know if Elijah Millsap Millsap is still in the league. Boy, it would be nice if somebody pinned him down and made him issue an apology and say, you know what? I need to be more careful next time. Fucking liar. It's insane. DePaul has fired Dave Lado in basketball. Why? Well, he finished in last place. You mean this year? No, uh, five straight years. I love the statement. After evaluating where our men's basketball program is currently, the shitter, and where we envision it to be moving forward, not in the shitter, a decision was made to make a change in the head coaching position. Lato had been in charge of the program since 2015. He got five years, didn't do shit with it. They had some awakening in 2018-19 when they went 19-17 and 17, but still finished last in their conference. And uh, yeah, gone after five years. That's a longer leash than many people get. Archie Miller has been bought out at Indiana. My boy Lawyer Dave, Lawyer Dave in Atlanta said when they made the hire, they're like, terrible hire. This guy ain't got it. Turned out to be right. Of course, you never know. 
you know, Francesa said that Jawan Howard would be overmatched at Michigan. He's doing pretty, pretty good. He said Patrick Ewing would get no shot of having the job at Georgetown. He got it, and look where he is right now. I don't know if Archie Miller's any good. He didn't get it done in Indiana, where they, of course, have high expectations as a pedigreed program that has fallen upon hard and irrelevant times. Here's the thing. They said that it had something like a $20 million buyout, and two boosters split the cost. One guy stroked a check for 10 mil. The other guy said, I'm in for 10 as well. It's pretty obscene to think about, but if it's coming from boosters and not the university budget, what can you really say? NFL free agency picking up rumored deals left and right. I'm not going to go through all of them, through all of them here. One of the big headlines was the Chiefs get Joe Thune. Long-term deal, $80 million. He's a guard. It sets the market for Brandon Sheriff, currently sitting on a franchise tag, at $18 million at guard for the Washington football team. Guess what? If that's now the market for a long-term deal, I'm out. To me, it, it makes no sense to be paying a guard that kind of money to be protecting a bunch of QB3s and a quarterback to be named later, if ever. I wouldn't spend it, but here's the problem. They offered him the tag, he signed the tag, and unless they get a long-term deal, he's stuck on the tag. So it's either an $18 million one-year rental to to protect QB3s, or they sign him to a long-term deal that is going to I think, age very poorly. Not happy with how the football team is handling this one. Time for the my bookie gut hunch, gut punch of the day. We're going to boom, gut punch your man. Okay, so I had the Knicks on Monday night against the Nets, plus seven and a half. The results of that game were too late for today's podcast. So I'm going to stack another bet on top. And then I'll have something to report every day here. That's part of the problem is that, you know, I'm recording these things in the evening so I can go to bed at a reasonable time and then I'm not able to bet on the games and give you the results the next day. So whatever, I'm going to put another one in the hopper and then we'll get a string of them going and then we'll see what kind of heater I'm on or how I'm doing. Now, betting ahead a day early is tough because sometimes the lines don't get posted until the day of. They want to make sure somebody doesn't wake up dead who might be important to, you know, the game that's going to be played. So on a Monday and a Tuesday, I'm like, hmm, tournament hadn't started yet. I don't want to go back to the NBA. I want something else. Ooh, Champions League football, as in soccer. UEFA, Champions League. I've got Real Madrid minus a half against Atalanta, B.C., I have no idea who Atalanta is or what BC stands for. Don't care. Give me Real Madrid. I've heard of them. Minus half a goal. There is your my bookie gut punch, gut hunch play of the day. Why my bookie? Well, their bonus playthrough requirements are often much lower than competitors on both the sportsbook and casino side. They've got no limits. You can bet anything, anywhere, anytime. Instant access to the action no matter where you are. Plus, they take care of their existing players. You know, these other outfits that are now suddenly flooding the zone, they're just trying to get new players. Once you're a MyBookie customer, they take care of you with a host of free bets, free contests, periodic bonus offers, and more. And get this, they just began the MyBookie 
Crypto Rewards Program, which incentivizes and rewards players for making their deposits via crypto. Go with your gut, bet with your head. Note over it, as Furio says, have some fun. Get some sweet action in there. Open an account today and use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, and go Real Madrid. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Joining us now, Brad Evans, longtime fantasy football writer, Sirius XM Fantasy Radio host, now does all that, plus legal sports gambling. He is a proudly bald American like myself who leans into his drowning peninsula of hair on his forehead like I once did. You can find him at Noisy Huevos on Twitter. Bookmark his site, ftnfantasy.com, and he is ready for the tournament. Brad, how are we doing, brother? I'm good. You know, it's almost like a hair isthmus is what it is. It sure is. is. <laughs> but and it, it is. Look, if, uh, you know, if, with global warming and climate change and all that stuff and the rising ocean levels, you know, that's kind of what it's it's, it's disappearing, kind of like Florida will probably about 100 years from now. Hey, now, wait, Florida, the basketball team? Are you saying, is Florida going <laughs> to, is that a first round upset you've got already? Well, that could be. That that could I could be tipping my hand. Uh, go Hokies. Go Vatek. Take them out. Exactly. All right. Let's start with this. By the way, fade the noise. FTN. Where did that come from? What is that? All right. So my nickname is the Big Noise, and it's something that I didn't. You know, some people give themselves nicknames, but I think it's lame as hell. Uh, I actually got it in high school uh, because, as you can tell, Zabe, I'm a very sheepish fellow, the wallflower. And the, the kids down the street they used to play basketball with, they could always hear me just having casual conversation in my backyard from a block away. And I would come down and I would play hoop with them. And they'd be like, man, you're just nothing but a big noise. And it stuck. So, uh, you know, fade the noise is kind of tongue in cheek, basically telling people do the opposite of what I recommend. There it is. That's okay. It. And, and the huevos? Well, the huevos, uh, I'm not really sure what stroke of genius. I think I was drinking a lot of tequila uh, when this actually just cropped in my head. But hashtag Team Huevos uh, became a thing on Twitter uh, over a decade ago where I was just like, you know, people need to put their damn name on it. They need to have some balls. They need to have some cojones. 
And I'm like, well, you know, Cajones is already taken. Bowles is obviously very taken. Nobody really talks about huevos, which is, you know, slang for testicles in, in Mexico. Sure. So I was like, you know what? You got to have you got to have some huevos. And if you're on team huevos, then you're willing to stick your neck out there uh, and, and deal with whatever, you know, comes with the territory, win or lose. No, I love that. You're the Randall Tex Cobb of fantasy prognosticators. Uh, you go face first, <laughs> and if people don't like what you have to say or your sometimes missteps, you're like, is that all you got? So I love that attitude. Yep. So with that yep. said, here we go with the tournament. What are your first big broad brushstrokes as you look at the bracket? Well, look, uh, you know, from a bracketology point of view, which I do at FTMBets.com, is a good year for me, uh, with one exception. I miss on Syracuse. And, and I thought the committee got it wrong with them. Not saying necessarily that Syracuse shouldn't have been dancing, but the fact that they got in without you know playing in the first four is mind-blowing to me. The resume stinks. Mm-hmm. It's full of fleas. One in seven against a quadrant one. You got a quadrant three blemish. Uh, the bubble Bayheim, he his own boogers on the sideline. You know, and always scheduling with Patsy's a non-conference <laughs> play, right? And and this is no different. And you know, obviously there was obstacles and hurdles because of COVID and you not know, being able to schedule a lot of teams and the cancellations and everything else. But he's number one eighty-four in non-conference strength of schedule. You know, barely a top seventy overall strength of schedule in a weak ACC. And they were three and eight, Zabe. Three and eight. It's producing mm-hmm. in road neutral games. Yet they got in and Louisville didn't. And, and I think the committee just said, you know what? We're going to take the lazy approach. Who's got the higher net? Who's got the higher net? Oh, uh, Syracuse does by 17 spots. So nobody really knows what the hell goes into that formulation, that calculation. It's very cryptic. And they gave the nod to Syracuse. And Louisville was out. And then Syracuse gets in much further than Michigan State, who, I don't know, beat three teams, two of them on one seed lines and another on a two, at Ohio State, Illinois, and Michigan. And they're in a first four matchup. Oh, we're going to match them with the blue blood. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And they're like, you know, rubbing their hands greedily together because all the money they're going to count because people are actually going to find True TV on their guide to watch Michigan State UCLA. Uh, outside of that, I thought the committee did a really good job. Um, and there are a couple of regions, you know, just eyeballing it that are going to be some tough rows to hoe. Holy cow. Yeah. How are we going to account for the COVID cases of Kansas and Virginia? When Virginia may not practice all week, may not get together until the end of the week, and we still don't know which of the players actually popped a positive. That would be kind of important to know at some point. Yeah, is it it Huff? Like, you know, is it it Hauser? (laughs) Is it Beekman? It's like, you know, let's play this guessing game because that is imperative information. Yeah. And this is why I'm fading the living daylights out of Virginia. Give me Ohio plus eight and a half. You have to. Uh, with Jason Preston. Right. And they're playing in, in extraordinary basketball, Dave. Uh, they have been top 15 in adjusted offensive efficiency over the last month. And that's all teams, all 357 teams in college basketball. So knowing the the upheaval, knowing the incongruence that Virginia's dealing with, and, and knowing, too, what players have been bogged down with COVID, you, you got to fade the living daylights out of them. Kansas is a different story. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll uh, from the information I have gathered, it, it's not very serious. They're expecting those players to be back. Uh, but this is also, just speaking wider real quick, Dave, this is where the NCAA screwed up, right? Like, why are they trying to get all this? Hey, we're going to build it one extra day. What do do? Yeah, what's one what day going to do? Difference? Right. We need a week. I we was shocked. I was shocked when I, I didn't know that they had to have seven straight days of negative tests. And then they got a test negative twice in 12 hours. 
before they play the game. Everyone. I'm like, holy shit, that's strict. Yeah, it's it's insane, man. It really is. You know, the strictest Catholic teacher in the American school <laughs> the system is like, yeah, that's that's a little harsh, uh, guys. Uh, but, you know, again, why don't you build up a longer runway, a longer ramp up time? We could have had one shiny moment in mid-April instead of, you know, having it that first Monday in April. I, I thought it a pure nonsense and pure idiocy by the NCAA, but they're known for that. Yeah. All right. What other games early on from a point spread standpoint stand out to you before we get some of your sleepers for the actual Final Four, Sweet 16, et cetera? All right. Well, I do like Michigan State to cover the two points against UCLA on Thursday night. Um, the Sparties are finally, you know, starting to put ball through basket, which has been an arduous task for them for much of the year. Uh, really flourished offensively down the stretch uh, and minimize the turnovers, too. And I think UCLA is just so vanilla uh, across the board. They're lucky to be in the NCAA tournament. I think that's going to show in that opening round matchup game. Uh, elsewhere, I like Georgetown, you know, catching the five against Colorado. I mean, the Hoyers are balling. Now, credit to Patrick Ewing. He can go out like Chris Mullen and ruin his alma mater in that coach. He can actually, you know, <laughs> dial up the X's and O's. He's done a really good job of recruiting. His style and system, which really is the embodiment and, and emulates him, right, with rebounding and defense. And now he's got, you know, some pretty good three-point shooters. are shooting over 38% uh, from the field over the last nine games. Colorado's a savvy, experienced team. Uh, and Evan Batty's a banger, but they don't have the bigs that I think can really hang with Georgetown and they generate just so many second chance opportunities. So give me the Hoyas there. And I'm going to go real deep with this one. Um, I love Oral Roberts. <laughs> and I got to be careful what I say. There. I love Oral I love Roberts. Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts. Thank Roberts. you. Roberts. Yes. Yes. Emphasize the fighting evangel- uh, evangelicals there from Tulsa. Um, they can shoot the three. They got three guys shooting over 40% from downtown as a collective. They're shooting over 40%. They don't play any defense. And it did Ohio State, and Ohio State's gritty and tough and, you know, showed a lot of huevos uh, against Illinois in the Big Ten Tournament Final. But 16 and a half points for a team that is that lights out from three, even if they get blown out early on, and Chris Holman puts his scrubs in for the last couple of minutes, or Roberts keeps their starters on the floor, oh, that back door is wide open, baby. Is is there a team that you think is quite fraudulent that's either a one, two, or a three seed? Yes, I do. Uh, I think Michigan's in trouble. Because? Because of Isaiah Livers uh, likely going to be out. Yeah, with a stress injury. Look, there was even some cracks in the dam before that. You know, they're kind of limping into this postseason. And if you had asked me three weeks ago, you know, Gonzaga, Baylor, or the field, I would say the field because Michigan's winning the whole thing. That's how well they were playing. And then the Illinois game happened, and they got waxed. I mean, blitz without Io DeSumo on the floor inside Chrysler Arena. And a lot of it has to do with the fact, too, even with Livers' absence, even if he's on the floor, Hunter Dickens has been drawing too many damn whistles. And Hunter, Hunter Dickinson is the seven-footer. He's a wide-bodied freshman. He is the engine that pumps the pistons of this offense. He gets a touch. Whether he can kiss it off the glass or he can kick it outside, it doesn't matter. But if he's on the bench, it, it changes the entire dynamic of this Jawan Howard, Phil Martelli system. And as a result, it's based on you know, a little bit of recency bias and livers uh, being likely out. I could see Michigan losing potentially to LSU in the round of 32. And if they make it beyond that, uh, whether they face Georgetown or Florida State, I think either one of those two teams, because of their size, could be very problematic. If Gonzaga misses the Final Four, 
Is it a massive choke by Mark Few this year, considering the team and the talent? Yes, yes. Uh, and I think Mark Few would say the same thing. You know, I think Mark Few believes his team can run the table. They have the talent. And, and people will be like, oh, I've heard this story before. They're around the water cooler. It's like, oh, I've never taken Gonzaga. Who have they played? Right, right, right. Well, yeah, you know, we hear that over and over again. BYU is a really good team, and, you know, they're on the sixth line. And, yeah, they had to scurry back from double digits, but they found a way to win and ended up winning by double figures in the end. And thank you for cashing handsomely on the live line in that game, Bulldogs. (laughs) But you got Jalen Suggs, who's a legit lottery pick. Uh, probably gonna be a top five overall selection in the uh, NBA draft. Corey Kispert's a you know top twenty uh, pick in the NBA. He can put it on the deck, and he's just a sharp shooter from outside. Drew Timmy's got sweet post moves. Nimhard, of course, transferred from Florida, so he's played in big moments. Uh, Joel Ahayi is an indispensable glue guy for this team. I mean, they are very good at every single position. They have depth. They are loaded uh, advanced analytics wise. They're one of only three teams. Inside uh, the top 10 adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency. So for you, Ken Palm fanatics out there like myself, that is always a great uh, fortune teller, you know, a palm reading uh, of what the future could represent having that kind of balance because, uh, you know, if you're top 10, your chances of cutting down the nets increase exponentially based on the history in the Ken Palm era going back to 2000. Obligatory final four question before I pivot to some broader questions about sports gambling and or fantasy. What is your final four and your champion? All right. It's a little odd. And and look, I'm not one of those guys at ESPN. It's like, I'm going to take chalk, chalk and more chalk. I chalk for everybody. (laughs) So, you know, it's a tournament, you know, crazy shit happens. Um, I do have Gonzaga. I've got UConn coming out of the East as a seven seed. Uh, And then I'm going to take Arkansas out of the South. Uh, over Baylor in that Elite Eight, uh, Illinois in the Midwest, Illinois Zags, Illinois winning the whole enchilada. Okay, very good. Uh, let's talk pools for a second. I still am a fan yeah. of doing pools, even though most people have legal gambling accounts, and I think it's good to do both. Uh, is there any sort of alternate pools besides just the usual fill out that you particularly like? I like doing draft pools where you hmm. basically draft teams. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, a Calcutta's. No, uh, that would be an auction, but a draft pool. So you, you draw a random order of teams, and then you pick oh, you pick teams, and so you end up with a roster of usually about six teams each, and you get oh, a point for every I, win. See, yeah, I prefer the Calcutta. I prefer the auction style. Okay, you know, I, I and, and with real money, let's just get crazy with it. You know, and you know if you're if you're in the mob and you're in a Calcutta, there's no limit. <laughs> to how much the team goes for, from what I've gathered sure. I've heard from people. Right. Uh, and, you know, there, there could be some side bets there. You know, uh, Joey Two-Face is going to take somebody out. Uh, they don't get the job done. But... Have, have you ever heard of a hijack pool? What the hell is, no. You Tell get me. you random, random dispersion of teams. If your team covers the spread, you, uh, you advance. Or no, I'm sorry. If your team covers the spread and loses, you take over the team that you cover the spread. So let's say Hartford covers what obs- whatever obscene number they have against Baylor. If they cover, you now have Baylor. Interesting. It, <laughs> yes. oh, I kind of like that. Yeah, that's a kind of a fun one that has been done over the years. I once did a Sweet 16 pool, which was actually a fantasy league where you drafted individual players once we got I through the that. first weekend. You do that as well? Well, I do that for the full tournament. We call it the Top Gun Tourney Challenge. My former Ooh. player, Jan Sports, I still do it with them. Um, and it's just points. 
Yes. That's all you're tracking. Right, right, right. But right. it's like it's like, and I don't know, Xavier, if you've done like a postseason uh, fantasy football uh, league, Ooh. it's the same concept. No, I've where, not done that. Yeah, what you do is you know you draft your players in, in in fantasy football, much like you do with this, and there's a lot of strategy because you have to decide, okay, if I feel that Illinois is winning at all. Do I draft the third score in the Illini, Trent Frazier, knowing I'm going to get maybe six games out of him? Or do I go with like the top yes. score on an 11 seeded right. team? You know, it's that's it's, what makes it really, fun. Yeah. I won. Oh, it's super fun. I won back in 2001, I think, with Udonis Haslam on my team because he was just a steady points earner. Every uh, step I did of the it with way. Steph Curry when he was at Davidson. Oh shit! Nobody, it, nobody was nobody at Yahoo. Where they're like, who's this Steph Curry cat? I'm like, these these bastards have no idea. Yeah. So, so I took him like ultra high, and then he went nuts. Yeah. So you've done fantasy for years, and now the gambling era is upon us. Uh, what is the biggest revelation about it all that you have had since you're doing both? Now you're like a, I mean, it's like a break and muffler shop. If you're doing breaks, you ought to be doing mufflers. So you do fantasy. Of course, you're going to do gambling. What's your bigger re- biggest revelation about now this new era of legalized gambling across America? Well, I think uh, what is happening in the American marketplace, and it's very different from the Europeans. And, you know, the Europeans are all about live betting. And I think it's going to be slow to take in the American marketplace for live betting. No, I really? do love it, especially. Yeah, I think it will. It, just that there's an education hurdle there. And I think for the casual better, they'd rather just bet on the full game line and do it live. Uh, but player props are exploding, Zabe. Exploding mm. right now. And it makes a shitload of sense when you think about it. Because American society is a it's a celebrity based culture. You know, we we love to follow follow our guys. You know, if you're a fan of Patrick Mahomes and you have him on your fantasy team, because we're educated in fantasy first here, it's really the entry gateway drug <laughs> yes. to sports betting, right? And you're like, you know what? Uh the line on Patrick Mahomes against uh the fighting footballs is three hundred and twenty five point five pass yards. I have Patrick Mahomes. I know that Washington secondary isn't all that great. He's going to light him up for 350. I'm backing my guy. And what we've seen, and I've actually talked to some of the odds makers out there, like FanDuel, DraftKings, and I'm, I'm curious, genuinely curious, like how much of an increase in action have you seen in player props? And they said it's been uh, a, a massive increase right. uh, this past year. And they're idiots like me also talking about those. But I think it's because people, again, are familiar with fantasy football. They're taking that knowledge. They're finding soft markets. And in player props, and they are, they're doughboy soft, yeah. and they're taking advantage and having a ton of fun in the process. So that's the one thing that I've seen really take off with legalization spreading across the country. Yeah, I would imagine there is more juicy crevices that are not properly, you know, uh, set in terms of lines <laughs> to take yeah. advantage of if you're really doing your homework. And the other thing is, I'd imagine it insulates you to a certain extent, but not entirely, but uh, it insulates you from getting fucked by the refs because the refs are yeah. fucking people in gambling left and right. You saw the Iowa game that oh, went God. under with zeros or over at zeros, and then they went back on replay for five minutes and then made it an under. You're like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah, yeah, because they had to go back, and they are checking that because somebody you know from uh, Mountaintop on High said, hey, you got to make sure the, <laughs> the integrity of the game. Didn't affect, didn't affect the outcome of the game, but they went back five minutes with nothing on the clock to change it. So, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. It's absolutely wild, but this is why we gamble. We like those, uh, those bad beats, if you're you know, hopefully on the right side of it, not the wrong side of it, but we love the emotional pendulum 
that we're writing constantly. It's the rush. That's why I do it and why my kids are going to a junior college. <laughs> well, that's good. I hope it's an affordable one near you. Speaking of college, where did you go? What is your pedigree school-wise? What do you? Who do you root for? Where are you from? I, get one, I need the, uh, the, the, the Brad Evans backstory. Well, here's the reveal. Uh, I went to the University of Illinois. I'm from Champaign, Illinois. You got a big one on the tee this year, brother. I, I, listen, uh, am I aroused? I've been aroused. I've basically had a pride visit the entire season. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's essentially what I'm going through right now. Sure. Look, we are a top 15 all-time winning program and have never won a championship in the expanded tournament era, which is amazing to think about. The 05 team, the Flying Illini team, everybody remembers those teams. Uh, yet, they always never cut down the nets. Now, we got fucked royally in that 05 game by the referees uh, because Sean May was just fouling every time he touched the damn ball and driving his body through our guys, and they right. refused to call it. But eh, whatever. Uh, they just make up classes in North Carolina and hang banners in the rafters. So, um, yeah, that's my background. So, you know, again, from Champaign, Illinois, lived in Texas, uh, military brat. My, uh, my dad was in the Air Force, buried at Arlington National Cemetery. Uh, served the country for uh, nearly 30 years as a lieutenant colonel, um, and he was born in California, so I've been all over the map. I live in Denver now, and I have two feet of snow outside, and I was shoveling nonstop yesterday, and thank God Mother Nature did not extend oh the middle finger God. and cut my power out because, oh. Dave, uh, I would have been like Yukon Cornelius and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and I would have, you know— gathered all the local dogs and mush my way to power somewhere to make sure that I saw the pairings come out in a timely fashion. Nice. Is it wrong that I remember your two best teams by shorthand as the Stevie Thompson flying a line eye and the Bill Murray 05 year? <laughs> uh, yes, that, that's fair. Uh, the Bill Murray 05 year is a, is a memorable one. Uh, him in the stands. Uh, I have watched that Arizona game so many times on replay remind remind people why the great bill murray was so into illinois that year well his son um his son had a link and his son is now an assistant coach i believe at louisville under uh chris mack so his his son was a huge uh, illinois guy he was uh in the coaching ranks i don't know if he was consulting the team exactly why or whatever but uh there was a connection there with his son and murray you know, being a huge Chicago guy, mm-hmm. that team just had nothing but personality. I mean, Dee Brown was all over Sports Illustrated. Darren Williams, Luther had a great NBA careers. Um, and it, everybody just kind of, you know, grasped onto that team because of it. But it, I think it was a connection through his son, if I remember correctly. Yeah. You might know the answer. Yeah, you guys and Loyola Chicago, you versus Sister Jean in round two just has to happen, Shit. right? <laughs> you know what? It, it, I'll be honest with you, Dave. You know, when, when uh, the parents came out and I, you know, I'm, I'm a writer too. And, you know, I, I wrote a, an article on this. Uh, I, I'd written a thousand words on hyperbole on Loyola Chicago thinking, ah, oh, there's no chance I could play my damn Illini and, you know, likely going to be on the eight line, maybe on the seven line. And, and then I see, oh, son of a bitch. Yep. There they are right there in that region. You know, the committee doing us dirty and Georgia Tech's tough. And Georgia Tech's got the EC player of the year, Moses Ryan. They got a kid, Jose Alvarado, right. who's a baller at guard. You know, that is a matchup that scares the living daylights out of me. And that Loyola team, Cameron Crutwig, he is ever, every Abe Froman rolled into one. I mean, everything about Chicago is Cameron Crutwig. He knows how to apply the proper condiment on a hot dog. I can tell you that. 
and they play great defense. And whoever wins that game between them and Tech is going to give Illinois all they can handle. Chicago, resilient and leathery, you write. Its citizens hardened by blood-thickening winters and elbow grease applied to fueling smokestacks. I used to live in, in Northbrook, so I know Illinois. I, I know Chicago area. You're not wrong about any of it. Good luck, my friend. I, I appreciate that, Zave. And, and thanks for quoting some of the nonsense that I scribbled down. It, it sounded poetic. I felt good about that column. <laughs> FTNFantasy.com, the website. Follow him at Noisy Huevos. Listen to him on Sirius Fantasy Channel on XM and ESPNU Radio as well on Tuesday nights. Mr. Evans, great to talk to you, and good luck at the tournament. Good luck to your Illini, all right? I appreciate it, Zabe, and best of luck to you. Uh, make some money this March, would you? A quick email to end today, and a few thoughts on it. This one comes in from Tim Niebergall. Zabe, OMG. Your podcast that included Jay was both insightful and maddening. Oh, yeah, which one? I have Jay every week. Your your sincere effort to articulate the frustrations and sincere questions surrounding the election, the riot, and the broader societal issues at work was in stark contrast to the self-assured, no questions asked, ideological, monolithic thinking of your guest. Oh, this is me and Jay following the uh, Capitol Hill incident. Insurrection. Armed insurrection, more on that in a second. The riot, the mayhem, the melee, the assault on democracy, whatever you want to call it. He goes on to say, with the example of someone so immersed in their stovepipe thought process, you offered a centrist, considered, and level of skepticism that clear thinkers engage in daily. Well, now that we're two months removed from that day, it is obvious that the choice in today's climate is to either recite the dogmatic catechism of woke slash progressivism or be outcast as a heretic for even questioning. Your description of the riot as being an allergic reaction to the toxicity of the previous year was spot on. This was not an endorsement nor justification of the riot. You made that very clear but it was an intellectual analysis of the reality which offended the hypocritical left. Stay the course, Steve. It's great to know we have thinkers among us that are willing to consider obvious facts and clear motivations when describing the idiocy of our current times. Sincerely, Tim. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate that. And that one shook free after almost two months. But hey, things continue to shake free after two months. There are ongoing still issues of either election irregularities or potentially election fraud in various places. But we don't need to get into that. To say that fraud doesn't exist is ridiculous. Of course it does. The question is how much of it exists. Is it enough to swing elections in a very razor-sharp divided society? And is there systematic fraud going on, meaning it's planned ahead of time, and executed. And mind you, I didn't say by either party, but those are essential questions. How dare I ask those questions, right? Anyhow, funny talking about things shaking out two months later, because we're finding out even more things. Today, they have uh, charged two people with assault on the now-dead officer Brian Sicknick, one of five or maybe six people who died that day in D.C., 
either at or around the rally and or the riot and or the breach of the Capitol building. Now, I haven't print, they haven't pinned murder charges on these two individuals because they're having a hard time doing that because what happened, and I'm sure you guys being well-read and uh, people who remember things go, hey, what about that thing? And uh, do we have any more details on that? And not just letting certain things that get yelled about for five minutes on the cable news cycle waft down the river. Waft? Float down the river? I guess you waft in the air, you float down the river. People, you guys who are smart listeners and who stick around to the end here to hear the stuff that some people find triggering and don't want me to talk about, you know that, oh, wait a minute, we're finding out more. First of all, the early reports that he was bludgeoned over the head with a fire extinguisher, totally, utterly not true. His own mother says that that's not the case. He died like a day later after he went home from the actual riots. Now, the two people that they have pinned assault charges on uh, allegedly sprayed bear spray on Officer Sicknick. And that is clearly assault. Is bear spray fatal a day later? I would doubt it. But I guess you never know. They can't pin murder murder charges because they don't have it. And they don't have it, which is amazing because they've got all these video snippets from all this social media and news crews. They've got all these potential witnesses. And they've got all these people who have been charged themselves, something like 300 of them, that they could dangle a carrot to say, hey, that felony charge you're facing, we can take that down to a misdemeanor and you can go on and live a pretty decent life if you just say you saw so-and-so kill this guy. The four other people, of course, they got nothing. They got nothing. But they're going to probably try to pin it on somebody, like they tried to pin it on Richard Jewell, like they tried to pin it on the Duke lacrosse team. This stuff happens, and good luck if you're somebody in the crosshairs of the government because they are not going to let this just waft away. There, I used it right, waft. Meanwhile, Calling it an armed insurrection was a bit of a wild exaggeration, don't you think? Because the first half of that, armed, turns out to be totally not true. Do you know the grand total of firearms that were taken by police that day? A zero. Armed insurrection, except it was unarmed. Maybe they should call it an unarmed insurrection. Even though they cleared out the insurrection and then went back to work later on that night. <laughs> That's not much of an insurrection if it only lasts four hours, but okay, whatever. I guess the four of the people who died all died of things like stroke, heart attack. I think one woman fell down. She got trampled. That's obviously terrible. And then, of course, Ashley Babbitt, who was shot in the neck, point-blank range, of which half the country says, good, fucking deserved it. The other half of the country is saying, really? There's nothing else you could have done, huh? One person, point-blank range. There was two officers behind her that stood there and basically did nothing. But hey, so yeah, you got these things coming out later that are totally not what originally was reported. And then there's this. The Washington Post today ran a correction of the Trump phone call, the infamous Trump phone call to the Georgia elections official in which they reported that he said that he demanded that they find the votes? Well, guess what? The tape has come out and he never said that. Oh, oh well. 
So the post ran this paragraph correction, like, yeah, well, you didn't really say that. We shouldn't have included those quotes, but we had it on good authority that he said that. They never actually listened to the tape, the full tape. They just went with the sources on it. And boy, was that a useful thing to use right before the Georgia runoffs. What's the saying? A lie travels around the world before the truth gets done tying its shoes. Nobody at the Washington Post where their new banner says, democracy dies in darkness. None of them are going to face any consequences. Hell, they'll probably get a raise. Mission accomplished. Did what it was supposed to do. And so the Republic continues down its death spiral. And I guess I'm just going to have to mentally deal with it, like most of you who have a brain and can see things and keep an open, objective mind. Part of me feels like I'd love to try to somehow save the country somehow. Just be part of something great. A, a big rally, a, you know, a, a, a sort of a, a comeback of sorts of sanity, normality, and decency. Organize, protest, I'll run for office, like dog catcher and something else. Let's go. But then I'm like, why? I'm 52 now, soon to be 53. And if I'm lucky, I've got 20 good years left. 10 bad after that, and then it's a wrap. Who knows, maybe less. Nobody knows. I think I need to adopt the general stance of maybe my favorite character from Game of Thrones. Bronn of the Blackwater. Nerd! Oh, look at these two shining warriors. Sir Tarin Mant and uh, Sir Who's It of Who Cares? Sir Meryn Trant. Sir Bronn of the Blackwater. You're no knight. Pod? Sir Bronn of the Blackwater was anointed by the king himself. You're an up-jumped cutthroat. Nothing more. That's exactly who I am. And you're a grub in fancy armor who's better at beating little girls than fighting men. Now, I have an appointment with Lord Tyrion. You put your hand on that door, you lose the hand. (laughs) He was so cool in the series. He basically roamed the seven kingdoms of Westeros as a sellsword, constantly asking just two basic questions. One, what's in it for me? And two, what good-looking women can I fuck today? That's it. Bronn of the Blackwater. I somehow need to channel that in these last 20 good years and stop caring about the insanity and the bullshit that is going on all around us. I know it's very narcissistic, right? It's very me-centric, but it might be necessary because to care anymore, well, it's a recipe for the insane asylum. Maybe as the country continues to fracture along various lines, we can all retreat to perhaps states that share our common values and then somehow go from there. Maybe like a couple that we're not going to get divorced, but we're going to sleep in different rooms in a big house, not talk to each other very much, and kind of see our own people and have our own schedules and call it a day. I don't know. It's a damn shame, that's for sure, but at this point I'm not sure what else there is. So we got to find a way. Orioles 12, Pirates 3. Man, 26-year-old Anthony Santander from Venezuela. I think this kid's going to be a beast. He'll be their starting right fielder this year. Had two year, two hits in the, in, in the spring training game in the 12-3 route over the Pirates. Cardinals over the Nats, 4-2. Nolan Arenado, he makes a lot of money. Two for three in the game. Ryan Zimmerman, two for three for the Nats. Maybe he can be uh, helpful after a year off opting out of last year. We shall see. 
That's a wrap. Subscribe to Zabe.com slash premium at Zabe.com slash premium uh, to help support this podcast, support free speech and open thought while it is still allowable and here for us to enjoy. If you're a freeloader, God bless you. At least throw me a positive review and a rating to slake the ever thirst of the algorithmic overlords. In the meantime, have a great Tuesday and we will see you next time. We gotta bring both sides together Like champagne and leather Like birds of a feather We'll fly Like rain on a sunny day Like a million dollars that you're giving away Like a stray dog on the freeway We'll fly March is here and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with my bookie. Select the winners from 63 tournament games in the my bookie bracket contest for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes. And it's only a dollar to enter. It doesn't matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props. My bookie has you covered. Sign up today at mybookie.ag and use promo code ZABE to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. And make sure you use my promo code so they know I hooked you up. That's promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, to claim your first deposit bonus. College ball, NBA, NHL, no matter the sport, no matter the minute, MyBookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting. And with choices from thousands of lines and odds, you can turn any game day into payday. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie.